When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, Cabrian Hayes has spent 13 games now, 13 starts at the leadoff spot. And the team for which he plays is 9-4 and four in those games. Coincidence? Maybe not. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The Pirates finally won a game at the Great American Bandbox Beating the Reds 6-2, this after losing all eight games they'd played in Cincinnati before that, including this series opener Monday. So no, they can't sweep this afternoon. But if you're still looking for bright spots in this obviously disastrous season overall, the Pirates have been playing pretty good ball of late. Over the past month, they're right at 500. Over the past couple of weeks, they've won four straight series with a chance to make it five today when Connor Overton is set to pitch in the finale. Presuming it gets played, the forecast for Cincinnati is really bleak, and we'll see how that plays out. But look, one way or another, they're playing markedly better baseball at a time when I don't know of anyone anywhere probably not even internally, who expected them to be anything other than just a faceplant catastrophe down the stretch. And one can look at a lot of different variables in this, but not many of them are going to be associated with the pitching. The starters are barely getting through four or five innings, whatever. Mitch Keller pitched okay last night. Uh, The relievers are whatever until you get to Chris Stratton. Although, again, Nick Mears had a great Houdini act, leaving bases loaded the way he did last night. If you're looking for constants rather than variables, you're looking at the guys who have hit the most consistently. One of those, very obviously, is Yoshi Tsutsugo, who had another big RBI double. But maybe the most reliable factor in all of this has been Kibrian up at the top of the order. Now, this is not something that the Pirates had tried previously. Uh, Adam Frazier held down that spot for the better part of four months, and Kibrian had been utilized as more of a, you know, middle of the lineup 
middle of the top part of the lineup guy trying to take advantage of his pop, at least the pop that he had shown before the wrist injury in April. And maybe that's something that the Pirates will revisit, but maybe they'll also just, you know, kind of leave this alone because Frazier's not here anymore and Key's batting 298 up there and he's reaching base and he's driving the ball to all fields again. Wait a second. He's driving the ball again. Now, all of this could be just a big coincidence in the sense that his wrist injury was always going to take time to mend, Uh, not just heal, but to mend in terms of restoring the full strength. It's something I've been talking about on this show for a while now, but wrists are complex. You can't just strengthen your wrist at will. There's a lot of different parts in there, and it takes time to become as strong as you want to be, as strong as you were. And this is what we're seeing right now from him. It's, it's a big positive, a real big positive. And if all it achieves is from now through the next couple of weeks, leaving this kid feeling that 2021 represented progress from him, despite that injury, despite all the time that was missed, despite all the power that he lost temporarily in returning from it, then this is going to be one of the bigger W's of the entire summer. You should know he's been shrugging off the leadoff thing nonstop. And I've brought it up with him myself, and I just get this kind of this shrug and half smile that he has for a really easygoing individual. And he'll say, I don't really care. They can put me wherever it is that they want. He doesn't acknowledge in any way, shape, or form that this is responsible for igniting him or even that he likes it, that he, you know, enjoys seeing his name first on the list or enjoys being the first one to step into the box. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. But I can attest personally that this young man took some parts of this season hard. We've had a couple of talks, a couple of long talks, one in San Francisco and one in Milwaukee, where he spoke of wanting to make sure that he keeps an even keel, which is his nature anyway, but he was the one that kept bringing up things that were getting in the way of that, things that were happening to him, things that were just mostly lousy luck. And from within that, it's easy to see that, yeah, yeah, it was bugging him. So the last thing you would have wanted out of 2021 is for one of the Pirates' two most important players, along with Brian Reynolds, to think even a little bit that what he'd shown in that magical first month in 2020 and then what he'd done all through this past spring training and then the way he hit that home run right off the bat at Wrigley Field on opening day is that that was some kind of mirage, that that was some kind of, well, it's time for you to come down to earth, kid. This is a W. This is a W for this organization. This is a W for this player. And this is a W for this franchise's future, for his own season to be ending on a high note individually. And hey, if the Pirates happen to have found themselves a leadoff guy in the process... That's all right, too. When we come back, just one question.
Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, and the ideal place to watch a ball game on TV when the Pirates are out of town, as they are all week long after Cincinnati. They're going out for four in Philadelphia. Check it out, and check out Steak on a Stone, and check out all of the baseball memorabilia that they have in this one-of-a-kind place, North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Mike Anatori, who asks, is this current roster worse than the roster that finished 57-105 and under John Russell? And how many games could this team have won if they'd kept Adam Frazier, Rich Rod, Holmes, etc.? Not that I would have advocated for that. Well, I'm glad to hear the latter, Mike, because for the most part, the trades that were made around the time of the deadline, and those are all three of the guys that were sent out. I shouldn't say all three. Tyler Anderson was moved out too. Uh, have, have looked pretty good. You know, these are early returns. But getting Bryce Wilson, for example, for Richrod, that's a potential starter, and he's a lot younger. These are the kinds of trades that you want to make that you need to make. Um, the Frazier trade, even if you set aside that Adam has struggled immensely at times in San Diego. The return that the Pirates got there looks pretty promising, including among the prospects. The same goes for Holmes. Looks, I know Clay Holmes has done well in the Bronx. I also know he's Clay Holmes, and I also know that there's no way Ben Charrington or any GM should have been able to get that kind of return for him. I can promise you over time that that one will play out in Pittsburgh's favor. But comparing this season to that season... Take it from somebody who covered the Pirates on a daily basis, home and road everywhere for the Post-Gazette in 2010. This team, but more important, this organization has everything over what that one had at that time. There are a couple of similarities, including one positive one, which is that those Pirates in 2010 had a really, really good defensive infield with Jack Wilson, Freddie Sanchez, and others. This one, of course, had Kevin Newman hardly making any errors. Key, I've already talked about today at third base. Frazier is a good second baseman. Colin Moran's been reliable at first. And Jacob Stallings being the best defensive catcher in the game. There's, there's, There's been pluses for this team, just like there were for that one. But the difference, my goodness, between that team going 57 and 105 and this team is currently 57 and 94. And by the way, if they happen to go six and five the rest of the way, they'll avoid losing 100, never mind losing 105 like that one did. Even then, even then, and I know you asked about the, the 25-man roster, and I swear to you I'm not avoiding the question, but I also know that what made that situation back then feel so bleeping hopeless was that there was nothing coming. You had some masquerading going on, and you had some behind-the-scenes attempts by the Pirates to influence Baseball America and other rankings, but the reality was known. The reality of who was on the way and what they were like was known. Yeah, Kutch was part of that. Neil Walker, a a couple others. But it wasn't what you're seeing now happen 
uh, in Greensboro and in Altoona, and now you just saw a whole wave of players go from the curve to Indianapolis to close out the International League season since it was longer than the double-A season. There are real, live, high-ceiling baseball players at the lower levels of this system. And as they start gravitating north, so to speak, and when you start seeing O'Neill Cruz hit one of those 440-foot bombs at Victory Field, it's going to start feeling a little different around here. For those of us who are you know, around the team consistently and hearing from them specifics about this prospect or that prospect, I don't ever get the sense from these people that they're trying to hype up anybody. It's not in Charrington's DNA specifically. He's just not a hype-up guy, like, about anything. But I know from hearing from him and hearing from others in the organization that there is a legit excitement. I can tell you unequivocally that did not exist in 2010. 2010 was nothing other than a great big step backward for Neil Huntington, Kyle Stark, and everybody involved. That's why Russell was fired right after the season. They'd expected more from that group. No one anywhere expected even this much from this group of Pirates, certainly not the way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow. 